Welcome back to the Internet Computer Report, episode number six. I'm with Evan. Hey guys, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. But uh, we also have an extra special guest today. We have Arthur Foles joining us. Hi, Arthur. How's it going, guys? Doing very good. So um, Evan and I, we're here in New York. Mr. Arthur is in New Zealand, and uh, we're just having a little chat, and we're really happy to have you on the show with us. Uh, today, we're going to be chatting about Definity, DeFi, and, and uh, all sorts of things. Uh, but just to uh, have a little background on who Arthur is, uh, Arthur is, was the former head of communications of Definity. He was an ultra-early member of the Bitcoin community, uh, creating um, a number of podcasts, including uh, the Ether Review and Beyond Bitcoin. So really happy to have you on and maybe you can give us a little bit about yourself for the audience. Oh, thanks, Edward. Yeah, sure. I mean, you summed it up there pretty well. I, I got my start in kind of 2013 as just uh, an avid enthusiast in, in Bitcoin and then really took an interest in what was emerging in 2014 and began podcasting with um, uh, the, the podcast you mentioned, Beyond Bitcoin. And what was really interesting was 2014 was entirely a year about DeFi. And yet this whole kind of, it was also the first ICO boom happened in 2014, but it's all been kind of lost to history. So it's interesting that this is all bubbling up to the surface again. And it's kind of an exciting subject to be able to revisit, having seen the efforts of a prior generation of technology and innovators fail, and then to see this uh, subsequent success in the wake of that failure. So anyway, that's what's really interesting about this conversation. Um, also, though, like you said, I was, um, I was head of comms at Definity for a little while as well. And, um, and I've, I've been just keeping my ear to the ground. I was at Consensus for a while as well, doing communications. I mean, that's kind of my jam. Very cool. Uh, so back in 2014, that was a little bit before we were overly active in crypto. So what was it like, uh, the DeFi space back in uh, 2014? What, was it all planned on being built? In, in what capacity? Was it on Bitcoin? Things were being built, secondary layers? Uh, interesting, interesting question. So I think um, Vitalik kind of summed it up really well where, when he described um, uh, Ethereum in those early days. And he said, you know, you've got um, all of these special, you've got the choice. You can have a special purpose blockchain that serves a single function. Um, an example of that might be uh, Nubits, which was a stablecoin blockchain that was around in 2014, 2015. Um, it was interesting, I actually used it to transact. It didn't work out in the end and everyone lost everything, but um, not me, I just dodged that bullet. Um, yeah. But then uh, also Swiss Army Knife blockchains was the other term he used and that was to describe things like BitShares and, mm. um, and NXT. Interestingly, if you talk to Dom, he describes, Dominic Williams, um, the founder of Definity, he describes frustration with um, this guy, Come From Beyond, I think was, uh, was his name, who claimed to have a way to um, derive randomness um, deterministically and de in a de decentralized fashion in order to um, find the next block for the, um, in order to um, find the next, um, derive the next validator for the NXT blockchain. Although eventually he gave up and, and famously said that, it was no, it was against human nature to be able to derive randomness or some nonsense like that. And, you know, this, um, this time of, you know, NXT was amazing. It had like its own decentralized marketplace and, um, and kind of all these kind of cool things going on on there, but it couldn't effectively derive randomness. It just used the randomness from the, um, 
it just drives randomness from the hash of the previous block, which of course is totally predictable and totally manipulable. And this is the ferment of innovation that um, the ideas behind Definity emerge from. And, and also, I mean, a lot of the, the stuff we see um, today, not all of it, kind of had its genesis back then. I think even Uniswap is based on a design for a decentralized exchange that Vitalik came up with back in those days or, or you know, shortly thereafter. Amazing. It's really cool that you know, all these things that were first uh, you know, thought of are now coming to fruition. And now they're actually working, which is uh, incredible. Well, a big, we can dive into this a bit more, but a lot of it comes down to um, just the sheer volume of um, developer uh, focus that is, has been directed at Ethereum, but also the fact that it's composable. So this site, uh, composability is one of the fundamental uh, requirements of any um, network of financial services. I think people are starting to use the word financial primitive. I'm not sure if that's a technical term, but it's a useful one, um, you know, or like a neologism, but it's a really useful term to um, talk about these individual um, bits and pieces that are, are kind of, you know, things like decentralized exchanges, insurance, et cetera. So um, being someone who is so involved in 2014, I know most of the people who are getting involved in DeFi now, and there are a lot, it's absolutely blowing up. Uh, could you talk about some of the parallels you might see? And then going back to financial primitives, how do you think it, it differs or at what stage in its evolution would you see it being in now in 2020? Uh, so the first part of the question was how is it similar to, um, how is it similar? And then the second part is how does it differ? Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. So it's similar in that there's this really, um, Oh, hang on, I've got some weird um, interference going on through here. Can you guys hear that? Um, yeah, we can see it here. Let's, uh, let's see if there's anything else that's happening here. Let's just go to... It sounds good now. Uh, yeah, there's sounds a weird good. kind okay, of chirp cool. thing going on. Anyway, no, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> um, I can talk through it. Um, cool. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, an, interesting, um, it's an interesting question. Um, what is the uh, what are the similarities? And I think the vision has remained the same, and the necessity of having a decentralized um, set of or a decentralized financial system also remains there. It's a um, it's a really important piece of infrastructure. I believe it's actually fundamental to something making a move from being a um, a medium of exchange to actually being a money is whether or not is the presence of a financial system. This was recognized way back then, and people built towards what we have now, but they thought it would be really easy. So when you look at these earlier projects, they are outrageously ambitious. BitShares hopes to create um, these kind of um, synthetic assets that were uh, backed by or representative of long positions in decentralized marketplaces for commodities that were not even tokenized on, um, on the platform. Um, and you have all these, um, the, um, there was one developer I, I remember who had these almost, um, I've just got to think this is my internet connections unstable. There we go. They had these almost messianic um, pretensions named JL777, uh, who was developing in the 
uh, NXT community, and he was working on like 50 projects or something like that. It's like people thought that they could build oh, the wow. world in a day. Yeah, it was, it was outrageous. It was, there were heady times. It was really exciting. Um, today, things are much more pragmatic and things actually work. And if you look at the way they're built, they're built using, you know, extremely rich cryptography and just much more advanced designs. It's the fundamental difference is really that uh, no one knew what was or was not possible in 2014. And they certainly learned, learned more about what was not possible than what was possible. Mm -hmm. And today we're actually seeing really useful services that work and, um, and you know, are actually gaining like serious, um, serious traction. Interestingly, and um, to the point I said earlier, the services today are composable, meaning that you can plug these different financial primitives together to create rich financial products. Um, you know, you can have like, um, like, you can have like a, um, a REN, uh, like a, a REN BTC, you know, being put into compound and yield farming with that. You know, you can, you can actually do quite a lot of cool stuff with, uh, by combining these different um, services. And that wasn't, just wasn't possible back in those days. Very interesting. Yeah, the composability of, uh, of these instruments. And there's a lot of cool things. I know uh, that the one that's being built out on Definity with uh, Sailfish Finance is pretty interesting. I'm interested in seeing what's going to come out with that. The fact that you're mixing in all these different um, building blocks together and creating new, new, uh, new products. It's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I mean, what's really interesting is actually the mechanism I, j I just mentioned from, uh, and what I think is really most interesting and of most import for observers of the DeFi space, is this idea that you can take, say, a Bitcoin and put it on uh, Ethereum. I mean, that's like a major coup. That's mm -hmm. divorcing the token from the platform. You know, I mean, there's 150,000 Bitcoins on Ethereum. What does that mean now? Does that mean that Bitcoin is nothing but a brand and a stock to flow ratio? It's, I mean, it's a really like interesting question. And um, if that's the case, what happens when you have a new advanced platform, platforms like Polkadot, which I, I think is, um, is really fantastic and absolutely a competitor for kind of the infrastructure of the future. Also platforms like Definity, which obviously would be my pick, but um, you know, I'm trying to maintain some degree of agnosticism here. Um, if we can just move stuff between, if we can just move tokens between blockchains and possibly, um, and possibly the actual decentralized infrastructure that, um, that is represented by kind of DeFi, could it be that we just find a, um, a kind of a symmetrical competition between all platforms to host the logic that powers DeFi and the tokens themselves are able to just move freely between all blockchains. You know, we've already seen um, Bitcoin moving to Ethereum. Could we see Ethereum moving to a, uh, a Polkadot chain or um, I think it probably, I think actually in saying that now that I, I'm not, I'm not clued up on Polkadot. I used to be a bit more. I think they can actually, I think part of the idea of Polkadot was to plug straight into Ethereum. It could be that, um, that you can just move um, Ethereum over to Definity using a similar system to REN, and, um, which is something probably for another discussion, uh, although it's interesting um, and flawed, um, but it obviously still works. Um, so yeah, I think you could probably just move 
some of these assets to these new awesome chains that we're seeing emerge and, um, and take advantage of all the benefits of the newer generation of technology, especially given like Ethereum is a long way away from being able to um, kind of launch its F2.0 vision, at least a couple of years. So uh, I know um, last time we spoke, and this was a really interesting idea about DeFi, I, I do think you have a different or sort of aerial view perspective on this, but when you start detaching assets from their underlying blockchain, and then you're, you have these financial primitives all connecting to each other in less than seamless ways from different blockchains, I think we start to get into some of the problems uh, with DeFi now. So could you talk a little bit about what those are? Yeah, well, one of the biggest problems with DeFi is just because it's running on Ethereum, it's expensive. Every transaction costs money um, and a lot. And every, you know, as you increase the cost of a transaction, you increase the minimum amount of uh, value that can be put through that transaction because, you know, the proportionate cost of, of the transaction um, increases. But then you also get these other issues, which is, essentially just uh, dependency risk or, or platform risk is, is the, an, another term for it, where the more bits and pieces of DeFi you compose together, the greater risk something can go wrong and the greater the cost of using the thing. So as I described before, you're take, if you want to take a Bitcoin, put it in the, in the REN network, print a, um, a REN bit Bitcoin on Ethereum, You've already gone through three networks and three kind of you've you've employed three different pieces of um, of logic, each of which has a potential for failure, be that due to user input or poor coding, and then you've got um, and you've also got all the fees associated with it, and then you do something like put it in Compound or Curve or or what have you. You find yourself actually building up costs to perform what. As a simple action that is really just to um, say yield farm using a Bitcoin. The way we do it now is extremely ad hoc and, uh, and inefficient. It works, don't get me wrong, but um, it's definitely an indicator of the immaturity of the, um, the DeFi space. And it shows the need for, um, on the one hand, and something like Definity doesn't really offer a solution to this um, out of hand, and that is extremely strong engineering behind these things. But on the other, it needs to have a, um, a way to execute these transactions inexpensively. And looking at some of these, um, some of these newer platforms, Definity in particular, you've just got the ability to do it so much more quickly than other platforms, and then also uh, at much less cost. Essentially, there's no, um, there's no. Uh, appreciable cost for a transaction on Definity because its uh, its computation isn't bounded in the same way that it is on on something like a, a traditional blockchain. Very interesting. That's yeah, a huge solution. Uh, you know where the internet computer can uh, step up with uh, anything else that you see, perhaps with the computer, where there is to be some uh, any full or partial solutions uh, for. It? Well, I mean, we have to wait and see. Because, you know, I mean, we can make these kind of claims like, um, you know, the, the internet computer is going to have two second finality, you know, and it's mathematical finality, which is um, superior to 
stochastic finality, which is uh, proof of work, or economic finality, which is Ethereum's proof of stake system. Um, so, yeah, but we don't really know what exactly the um, what the the finality time is going to be. We don't really know how quickly Definity is going to scale. So we have to be careful not to make too many outrageous claims, although, it, you know, it looks pretty good at this point. Um, but I think, um, I think, hang on, I'm just having a look through my notes here. Uh, what was the question again, sorry? Oh, just uh, for the internet computer. So obviously, you know, it's solving for, you know, a couple of, you know, some issues. Uh, any other uh, solutions do you think that the internet computer can add towards DeFi? Any other solutions they may have? Well, I think so, the most, um, I think the most interesting part of all of this is, first of all, I mean, we can all predict that superior platforms are going to emerge. Um, there's been, a, everyone kind of has this feeling because blockchain moves so slowly, um, or the you know blockchain field of technologies that Definity finds itself competing in, that um, the race has been run and we've found a winner and it's Ethereum. That's just not the case. Um, the race hasn't been run at all. You know, far from actually finding a winner. You know, we're still running 2014 technology. I mean, that's when that's when Ethereum uh, was originally conceived, and it's it's very much a um, a five year old at least platform. As far as what Definity can offer. It's just a much lower cost, easy to develop for um, better composability and, um, and greater scalability. And these things fundamentally solve all kinds of problems that um, are severe pain points on Ethereum right now. That said, there's a whole other discussion to be had around some of Dom's ideas about um, uh, Phi, which was his decentralized virtual bank, um, and uh, and his um, and his idea for a decentralized exchange that used threshold signatures it was actually kind of similar to um, Ren from memory. Although I don't want to um, I don't want to get myself in trouble by by <laughs> you know trying to um, remember some random comments by Dom off the cuff. But what I found what I find interesting is that he's come up with this idea and. Uh, Uniswap itself was an idea that was um, originally conceived by uh, Vitalik. Um, so, you know, these guys who develop these platforms, they really understand them and they know how to build things with them. And I'd expect to see some really cool stuff coming out of the Definity Foundation um, to compete in the DeFi space alongside these um, uh, systems that migrate over or using tokens that migrate over using systems like REN or, or Pocket Network or some of these things. Very cool. So uh, as we're moving forward in this, and you mentioned Polkadot before and that we're only just starting to see the experimental period of uh, DeFi, how can people start looking out for the winner? Or what might be something that distinguishes Polkadot, uh, a Polkadot DeFi project from a Definity DeFi project? Um, well, Polkadot and Definity are very different models, right? Like Polkadot, you've got um, individual uh, chains that um, uh, parachains that kind of use the um, that use the Polkadot central chain to coordinate and you know and communicate between one another, and, and as well as inheriting security from it. And this is a really interesting model, but you can see the friction there, the lack of seamlessness. Um, and that is itself going to be an issue. Um, 
But is it sufficient? Is it enough of an issue to cause a problem? We just don't know. We'll only know as we watch developers uh, experiment and build with the technology. And that's going to take time, at least a year. You know, it's at least kind of three or four product cycles. First stuff that comes out is not going to be great. The same thing is going to happen with Definity. I mean, we've got Sailfish um, in development. Norton's a great guy, and I'm sure Sailfish will be spectacular. It's actually got some trading activity on it now. I was, I was taking a look, which is pretty cool. Um, that is the kind of stuff that lets you know it's working. Um, but obviously, none of these platforms are experiencing anything like the billions of dollars of volume that is going through um, the Ethereum uh, based, based uh, DeFi kind of products. So it's waiting to see, A, how much, um, how much developer activity moves over, and B, um, how much those products being built by those developers are being used. And to be honest, I think it's going to be a slow transition, but you always have those inflection points. So if we can see something huge happen, that's going to be a massive indicator for the um, for for the the general public just watching to see what's going on. I'd also say though that it's going to take a long time for all of this stuff to sort itself out for the for the best platform to kind of emerge from the bunch or for the market to settle on a consensus of where the best system for composability and um, and to do business where that lies, you know, it's just like a city or a, or a nation. Some places just have um, tax laws or um, or kind of um, business infrastructure. They just outcompete others, and so that's why you get these cities, kind of these really important cities like Hong Kong or, or Shanghai, right? Mm-hmm. They emerge because of the infrastructure they offer and their positioning. And the same thing is going to happen with. Um, the same thing is going to happen with uh, blockchain platforms in the future um, when it comes to hosting businesses and financial infrastructure. How many years uh, down the line are you looking for, you know, for these, you know, for these web three battles, you know, taking place before, you know, maybe a, a clear DeFi platform winner kind of emerges? I think in two years, we'll get a really good picture. Um, I think five years, It'll start to, in two years, we'll, we'll actually have real activity off Ethereum, will be my prediction. I don't think much will happen in, in the meantime. It takes a long time for, it took a long time for, for Ethereum to build what it's got. Um, and this stuff has to be built um, or ported to new platforms in a convincing and usable way. And then people have to start using it. So this is going to take time. I'd say two years before we really see that happening in earnest and see serious um, serious competition from um, DeFi e- kind of ecosystems that are hosted on platforms other than Ethereum. And then um, maybe five years before we start seeing a preferred platform emerge. Maybe I'm being pessimistic. It might be that this happens really, really quickly. I don't think it makes sense to be enthusiastic about DeFi on Ethereum. I see a lot of enthusiasm about it, but I'm like, guys, like they don't have even a plan to... You know, Ethereum is not delivered on any kind of scaling or anything. So thinking that it can provide an infrastructure for a decentralized financial system is, you know, um, silly. You know, it's, uh, it's not a realistic, um, it's not a realistic perspective to have. It's interesting. And sure, it'll scale, it'll find its place just because its brand name is really strong. Just like Bitcoin will always be worth a lot of money because 
it's got a strong brand name and a, and a stock to flow ratio. But as we've seen, it's no longer even on. You know, a lot of Bitcoin transactions aren't even taking place on the Bitcoin network. So what yeah, is no, it? I use, the only time I use Bitcoin is I just have, I use it to wrap BTC whenever I'm sending a transaction. I, I, I haven't touched my coins in years uh, in my Bitcoin wallet. So, yeah. Right. And yeah. so this tells us something, right? Like it shows that, for, that we've migrated to Ethereum from Bitcoin, but no one is under any illusions that Bitcoin, that Ethereum has the transaction capacity or the usability to, um, to be the kind of next financial, you know, substrate, right, of the next financial infrastructure. Yeah. It's just not, not plausible. I mean, like, they don't even have checksums in the addresses. Like, you misspell an address, you destroy your money. Like, that's not usable. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you talk to people, they'll tell you that's just a UI problem. But what I say to that is, well, why, if it's just a UI problem, why hasn't it been fixed? It's, yeah. it's a, that's what we, these are problems for adoption, you know, for... Uh, you know, I guess, I guess, I guess a lot of crypto are so caught in our bubble, you know, it's 20, 30,000 of us that are just doing it on a daily basis. Uh, you know, we're not really ever looking outside of that. That's why I do appreciate your perspective on things. You're always looking for the next thing. We've had so many conversations about different things, whether it's Ethereum, uh, Urbit, Definity, where, you know, we're always going after new things. Now, the, you know, the Definity model is really kind of going after, you know, the much broader developer landscape. They're not just sticking with just crypto folks. You know, they're, they're going, you know, they kind of want everybody to be able to build a DeFi product. Um, the user experience is going to be much more different with uh, definitely the fact that we're probably not going to have to deal with like transactions and paying for gas. That's going to be a huge change. Uh, I, I, if I could ask, I know a lot of the viewers right now want to hear from you since you've been in DeFi for so long and know, you know, how these market cycles work. Are you bullish on DeFi projects now? And if you could be a little specific, that'd be great. And also, or, or could you just be waiting for a standard that doesn't have problems anymore and waiting for the evidence that it's going to take over this financial primitives? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not a very successful investor, I'll tell you that much. But... Um yeah, I mean, I think it seems like we're in an up cycle, you know, it's like the riskier things go up when the, you know, when, when the more kind of blue chip things go up, then it seems like the riskier things go up further. And so I've, I've invested along those kind of lines. I think there's some kind of cool stuff that um, um, Synthetics is doing um, with, um, by kind of tokenizing assets from, kind of the quote unquote real world. I think it's really important to do, to find ways to port assets over. And I see that infrastructure as being applicable beyond just, um, beyond just Ethereum. So I find that interesting, but I mean, honestly, like it's funny. I said that things are different from 2014. They're not that different. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we're going to see a big boom and it does all the stuff, you know, it's, I mean, our infrastructure does cool things now, but does it actually do anything useful? I mean, you look at the way central banks have been printing money and you look at the stock market and the chaos of the traditional financial system. And surely, surely we can provide something to that system. There's got to be something that, that that system needs. I mean, there's no yield to be found anywhere except in this inflated stock market. Everyone is just biting their nails over. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, and like when I think of like interest rates, I always think like, are you kidding? 
you've got to lower interest rates that low in order for someone to make money off them? Like, is capitalism just completely broken? People can't find yield anywhere. And, you know, if people can, if, if DeFi can offer a place where um, investors can find some kind of yield that they obviously aren't finding in, in the traditional financial system or kind of business ecosystem, then maybe that's something that, um, maybe that's something that can give DeFi significance this time around. And I mean, I think that is a, is a plausible thing to suggest, but I mean, I, I'd caution all, all investors <laughs> or other gamblers in, um, in DeFi. <laughs> While it looks convincing, you know, a lot of people were convinced in 2014. And um, I mean, it is different this time, but how different, I, I don't know. And um, it does also seem like it's the markets um, on an upswing, but how much it lasts, again, it's, there's a lot of contingencies to take into consideration. Yeah, that, that's helpful. I we all have to be careful, I suppose. <laughs> uh, if you want to throw some thoughts out on it, I mean, a lot of us, we're all Definity-centric or Definity supporters, and, but what's this idea of, of Definity maximalism or DeFi maximalism in the sense that, that one project's going to take over? Well, I mean, I think it's just important to recognize, first of all, that we're talking about Definity in <clears throat> a context in the same breath as we talk about, say, um, Ethereum or Polkadot. Or, and, and Definity, really, its goals are just much more broad. Um, also, we think of these as blockchain technologies. And while Definity kind of is like a blockchain technology, it certainly does everything um, that blockchain platforms do. Um, and they're absolutely true to the vision. It does, there's so much other technology in there. And of course, any uh, platform today is going to have, that competes in this uh, area, is going to have a whole bunch more technology than just a blockchain. You know, I mean, what is a blockchain anyway, but an evidentiary hash chain? The idea has been around for a really long time. And it's important to understand that if you're just trying to compare blockchain platforms, these are not apples and apples. It's, um, the, a lot of these platforms are extremely different. Polkadot does not look similar to, um, to Definity, just like Filecoin doesn't look similar to Polkadot, right? And none of them look that similar to, um, to Ethereum, structurally. So, I mean, that's just one thing to, to bear in mind. Um, the other thing I'd just say is, it's this, and this kind of comes down to, to, the, to maximalism, I look at some of these things and um, I try to place them in the world according to their ability to compete. So taking a look at, um, just say, returning to just our blockchain terminology, you know, we can see Ethereum can only perform so many transactions. They're very expensive. We can see that Definity can perform a ton more transactions. Again, this is blockchain terminology, not new decentralized computing platform technology. Um, terminology. So um, we can see that Definity can symmetrically outcompete uh, Ethereum, but there's got to be more. It's got to. You've got to kind of look beyond just um, competing over these like basic metrics metrics we've been taught to care about, and we have to actually look outside the blockchain space. We have to provide product to the world, and so the question is: 
can something like Definity bring DeFi to the masses? Um, I don't think it matters about, I don't think maximalism is something we need to concern ourselves with. We really want to see the, the whole ferment of innovation that we've watched produce something that's of value outside the world of crypto speculation. And if Definity can provide that, if, if Polkadot or maybe Filecoin or Solana or any of these um, new near, these new platforms can provide the infrastructure, that's fine. And, you know, it's nice to think of, compare them and, and imagine them competing against one another. But to really understand how that competition will um, unfold or play out, we need to see the way that developers use these different platforms. And for, for certainly for myself as a layman, that's just not something that, um, it's not something I would hazard a, uh, a guess at. Um, so that's what I'd say about maximalism. And I mean, I guess if I have a final word on, on the whole subject, it's just to bear in mind that we need our benchmarks for success is, are not within the crypto landscape. They lie in the legacy landscape. We need to find a way to compete symmetrically on the same terms as the, you know, the legacy or the traditional financial system. Otherwise, what's the point in all this, you know? I, I love that. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, a lot of people get caught up in transactions per second or, you know, one chain to rule them all. And it, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful perspective that you have. And we're really looking at things in a broader way and, and what decentralized finance is all about. So that's, that's awesome. Well, you know, um, it's, it's not, this is such a myopic space. Um, and it's so full of itself and you've really just got to like contextualize the tiny blip that is DeFi and, um, and quote unquote blockchain, which is a word we keep using, but we actually purged it from our comms while I was at Definity because it really confuses the, it really confuses the, the goal, right? Which is to create something that is not just a piece of um, Baroque niche technology. It's, a, it's an infrastructure for the future. Yeah, fantastic. Do any other questions? Um, maybe if you want to add some final thoughts, we covered a lot today, and you know, it's, it's awesome. You have such an interesting, interesting perspective on all this stuff. But yeah, yeah. and then we have uh, so obviously we're having the mainnet of uh, Definity coming out in uh, you know by the end of this actually sometime this month, which is really exciting. We have two coming out. Uh, any other things you'd like to add? Uh, Fingers crossed, right? Um, no, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know we've been, yeah, been around for a long time now. So, yeah. um, so um, no, it looks good. I mean, talking to those guys, they're they're pretty stoked. I think um, I think we'll definitely see it. Um, but even if we don't, it'll be in January. It's not like they're um, it's not like they're behind um, on anything too significant. Um, so yeah, no, no. I mean, I think I think I've said it all right. That or everything I had on my little list. Um, maybe not in the order that I'd written it down, but. Um, yeah, no, um, the big things is just to remember that, you know, blockchain is not the way to think about the space. Transactions per second is not the way to think about the space. It's actually these uh, logic hosting platforms. Um, it's about the cost of computation on them, not about how much it costs to send some random token somewhere else. Um, the technology is far richer these days than just blockchain, which is so archaic as far as its significance and so simple that it's just... <clears throat> It's just not a very good way to describe 
what we're working with as blockchain platforms. Um, it's kind of just a colloquialism that we're stuck with. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and um, understanding competition and um, bearing in mind that um, we now are seeing tokens migrate between chains. Those are, that's kind of the, that's the crux the, of, um, that's the crux of all of the, the insight that I can offer, I think. That's, That's fantastic. Really, really great. Yeah, we love this. And, uh, yeah, we're super happy that you were able to join us on our show. And thanks for supporting us uh, for this. And once the Infinity does launch, I'd love to have you on the show again that we can actually kind of dive deeper into more of the technical nature of Divinity, right? And, uh, you know, how it's working and all that. Um, I'd love to, yeah. Um, and thanks for having me, guys. I'm going to try and, like, turn some of the ideas I've just rambled off in this, um, in this session into a blog post that's just a bit more um, uh, cohesive and well-structured. So, you know, if any listeners, keep an eye on my, um, on my Twitter, um, at Arthur Falls. I'm sure something will pop up there sooner rather than later. Yeah, okay, yeah we'll, we'll have that in the description below for, for us on YouTube, too. Cheers. Very cool. Well, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm sure I'll see you before too long. Yeah, definitely. Talk soon. Thanks, Arthur.